Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm coming to you Tuesday night after the Hawks lost to the Houston Rockets. Uh, we typically start with the three stars, but perhaps here we could begin with an honorable mention. Vince Carter scored 15 points, made five of eight threes. You may have seen my tweet earlier this morning, uh, but if you haven't, uh, Vince Carter has been damn near incredible since turning 42 years old on January 26. Uh, since that time, almost a span of two months, he's shooting 47.9% from three since his 42nd birthday. 47.9%. He's made 46 of 96 threes. You cannot leave Vince Carter open. He will make the shot. In fact, it's, it's kind of crazy. I know he said he didn't want to chase a ring. He didn't want to be the 15th man on a contending team, but Oh my goodness, he almost looks like somebody who should be on a contending team playing rotation minutes, but honorable mention to Vince Carter. All right, for your three stars, let's start with DeAndre Bembry. Bembry scored 14 points. He made five of nine shots, two of four threes, both of his free throws. He had nine rebounds. He was the Hawks' best perimeter defender, and for that, he should be the third star, I think. It was good to see DeAndre make a couple of threes. It feels like he's been struggling with that of late. For the month of February, DeAndre shot 23% from three. Uh, for the month of March coming into this game, he shot 23.5% from three. So, you know, it's something that he needs to get better at. Uh, even if he could revert to what he was doing earlier in the season, that would be a huge step because he does so many other things when he's out there, especially in terms of defense, rebounding, moving the ball, you know, he does a lot of things really, really well. One thing I did notice, you know, he ran a couple of pick and rolls with uh, John Collins tonight, and it's just so evident, you know, when a pick and roll is being run with Trey Young, as opposed to when it's not Trey Young running it. Um, you know, DeAndre, I think once he overshot John with the pass, it was a bullet pass, just something you probably really can't throw there unless you hit the target absolutely perfectly. And then on another one, you know, the pass was just a little bit off. I think John managed to make a nice catch and a nice finish, but uh, it did not look as smooth and effortless uh, for John Collins as it does when, when Trey Young's out there, and that's fair, but it will probably never look as good for the non-Trey playmakers as it does for Trey. But at the same time, you know, you have to be good enough that it can at least be efficient. For the second star, let's go with John Collins. Uh, for the evening, he had 20 points on 9 of 14 shooting. He missed both of his threes. He had 10 rebounds. Uh, but, you know, you look at what Houston and Atlanta, what those two teams do, you know, they're both trying to generate a lot of things with crafty ball handlers out of the pick and roll and then play everything off of that and get a lot of shots at the rim and get a lot of shots from three. Uh, Lloyd Pierce said as much in his post-game press conference. He was frustrated that, Houston did it to the point of getting some free throw attempts, and the Hawks didn't, especially in the second half. Uh, but in a way, these two teams are trying to mirror each other a lot, I would think. Um, maybe not defensively, but at least offensively. They're trying to do a lot of the same things. And without John Collins, it just isn't going to look right. I mean, you need to have Collins out there. You need him as your role, man. He gives the team an element that they really just don't get anywhere else. There was one play tonight where the Hawks switched a pick and roll out on the perimeter. They ended up with John Collins on James Harden. 
and it went really badly. It was pretty ugly. Um, Collins, you know, there was a lot of space. It was just Arden and Collins, no help to be seen anywhere. Collins gave him too much room for a jump shot. He was playing his right hand instead of his left, and Harden gave him a small dribble move that just froze him, and he went right by because he already had an edge going left. So, you know, and in that play, Collins was also just too upright. It was the kind of play that gives you a little bit of pause about what we might see from John Collins defensively from the future. He's been good for a couple of weeks now in terms of protecting the rim and blocking shots. He intercepted. You know, some of the pick and rolls tonight made those plays hard, but you know, the Hawks are gonna if they're gonna continue to do some switching, you know, two through four, they're gonna need Collins to be better staying in front of a a guard one on one out on the perimeter. Maybe before we go on to our first star, since we're talking about the Hawks big men here and, and you know, the unique aspect that John Collins brings to the team, we should also mention that you know, how Dwayne Dedman and Alex Len were used tonight. Dedman played 24 minutes, uh, while Alex Len played 12. You know, I, I think what you're seeing there in the discrepancy between Dedman's minutes and Len's minutes is that you can just do more things defensively with Dedman in terms of switching. Uh, you know, you're pretty much limited to one or two types of pick-and-roll defense when Alex Len is out there where, you know, if you have Deadman out there, you can do a lot of different things. And, and that's what you need against a team that's as, ridiculous, as ridiculously skilled from an offensive point of view as Houston is. And so they leaned on Deadman. Deadman still looks a little bit off-kilter in terms of his offense, uh, but you just need to have him out there for what he can give to the team on defense. Uh, by the way, Alex Lynn missed his 1-3 tonight, but just having watched him, you know, playing games, shoot in practices, shoot before games over the last couple of weeks, he's really starting to get his three-point touch back. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he has a hot stretch from three here from now to the end of the season, which unbelievably is, you know, just a handful of weeks away. It's going to be the end of the regular season before you know it. All right, on to our number one star for the evening, Trey Young. Trey Young finished with 21 points, 12 assists. Uh, he made six of his 13 shots, two of his five threes. But he had seven turnovers. Uh, he Honestly, you look at the 12 assists and seven turnovers, and you say that's an awful ratio. But at the same time, he had 12 assists. He easily could have had a lot more assists than he did tonight. He was throwing some incredible passes. Uh, Houston did a good job defensively after the game. Trey was talking about how Houston varied its defensive coverages on him in the pick and roll all night. They showed him some traps. Uh, you know, they did some switching. He saw a lot of different things tonight, and they varied it frequently enough that I don't think he ever got in his full comfort zone. And even if he did, uh, his teammates did not. Uh, the Hawks offense, you know, looked choppy at a lot, in a lot of places, and the only time they didn't was when Trey Young was throwing passes that were essentially perfect passes. One thing that I thought that was fun from tonight, you know, Trey Young essentially grew up a huge Chris Paul fan. When Chris Paul was a rookie, the Hornets moved to Oklahoma City because of Hurricane Katrina in the aftermath of that. Uh, Trey Young was in Oklahoma. 
absorbing it all in, you know, throughout his childhood, he was going to Chris Paul camps and trying to learn and emulate the things that Chris Paul did. And tonight, it almost felt like in the second half, Chris Young tried to put Trey Young on notice. It was almost like he was trying to take the things that he's seen Trey Young do this season, which of course he probably lifted from Chris Paul originally, and show them that he was really the master of these moves and he wanted to bring them back around to Trey. You know, he hit an ultra long three. There was one move in the paint where he brought the ball behind his back, dribbled through his legs from back to front before pump faking John Collins and passing to a teammate once the defense was totally off kilter. He did what looked like sort of a behind the bass, behind the back pass fake. Um, so he was just kind of breaking out all sort of highlight moves. Uh, you know, the things that Trey Young seems to do on a nightly basis where he mixes what's essentially an and one tape into the course of a high level NBA game. After the game, Trey Young talked about playing against Chris Paul. He didn't necessarily score a lot. Um, I mean, tonight he could have had 20 assists. Uh, he just makes he just makes the people around him better. Uh, you can you can just hear him. Uh, fans don't really hear how much he talks, um, how how much he communicates, and that's something that I mean, me as a rookie, me coming up and trying to learn, that's something that I'm gonna continue to learn and and instill from him. Uh, so I appreciate Chris for for doing that and teaching me a little bit. I mean tonight, but that's that's Chris is a I mean a future Hall of Famer. Chris Paul said some nice things about Trey Young at this morning shoot-around for the Rockets. Chris Paul said, he is one of the most skilled basketball players that you'll ever see. So that's high, high, high praise coming from Chris Paul for sure. I thought Trey was competitive on the defensive end tonight. I mean, you kind of have to be against Houston or you're going to get eaten live. But at the same time, when the Hawks got in foul trouble in the first half, Kent Bazemore had three fouls, Torian Prince had three fouls in the second quarter, and Lloyd Pierce went to a Jalen Adams, Trey Young backcourt. And they actually surrendered some points to the Rockets and let the lead get even larger, but they did fight back and pull to within six points at the end of the half. We're dealing in super small samples. I looked up the numbers for the Jalen Adams, Trey Young backcourt. And to my surprise, I think it's only been used for nine minutes. And I think in those nine minutes, they're a cumulative minus five in terms of plus minus. So it's a small sample. I just feel like in my bones that there's something very, very wrong with that lineup. Even on a night when Trey is doing well defensively, that just feels like instant death against a team like the Rockets. I will say this, you know, as we mentioned before, where eerily close to the end of the season and tonight the Hawks were officially eliminated from the 2019 NBA playoffs. So maybe fretting about a Jalen Adams Trae Young backcourt really isn't all that productive and we should just move on and say hey let's see what these two young guys can do. James Harden finished with 31 points so the Hawks were unsuccessful in their attempt to keep Harden under 30 points. In both of their matches against Harden this season, they did it the first time, ending his long streak of 30-plus point games. Uh, tonight, though, 31 points on 8 of 18 shooting. He made 4 of 11 threes. He made 11 of 12 free throws. He also had 10 assists and 8 rebounds. 
he was a handful after the game. Trey Young kind of hinted like he might be working with James Harden this summer. I don't know. I'll let you listen and see how you want to interpret it. Yeah, he's super crafty. Uh, we're talking and joking out there after the game how much we're going to work on some stuff in the summer. Uh, and it's, it's cool. Um, he's he's uh, doing a lot of different things that the game has never seen before. And uh, so it's cool going up against him and, and trying to learn some little things. Anyway, a fun game overall for Trey. You know, regardless of what the numbers are and what Houston's numbers are, you watch Houston and their elite talent. You see James Harden, you see Chris Paul, and then you see Trey Young in the same game, and it's like he kind of belongs out there with him, which is good to see. The Hawks really had no answer defensively for the Rockets tonight. You look at what they did in the first half, and they were essentially trying to defend pick and rolls involving Clint Capella with just two defenders, and it wasn't working. Capella had 20 points at halftime, and he had made 8 of 10 shots. So in the second half, you could see the Hawks' defense, anybody that was guarding a shooter that wasn't in the main action, they were all a step closer to the paint, maybe two steps closer to the paint. And what we saw in the third quarter was some great ball movement from the Rockets. They were you know, moving the ball from the strong side to the weak side. They were getting unbelievably open corner three-point looks, you know, the things that you just don't usually see in an NBA game in 2019 where there's that much of an emphasis on not giving up open threes, not giving up corner threes. Uh, the Hawks, because they were trying to start pick and rolls with Chris Paul and James Harden, because they were trying to take that away and limit Clint Capella at the rim, the Rockets were just moving the ball and getting wide open threes. Lloyd Pierce mentioned it after the game. You know, the goal is to get the ball out of James' hands, but it's really to make him make the hardest pass, which is the, the skip pass. And, you know, obviously he gets, uh, Capella was getting a lot of opportunities just directly from CP or from James or from whoever else just hitting the roller. And our, our weak side defense wasn't pulled over as, as much as we would have liked. Um, then the flip side happens. We do pull over and they go swing, swing, and they just started draining threes the second half. Um, and that's, that's who they are. There's, there's no surprise. They get to the rim and they shoot threes. They only shot three shots last time we played them that weren't rim or threes out of their 90. So we know who they are. We know what they want to do. Um, taking that away is a difficult task. I just thought in the first half we did not take away the roller. In the second half we were late and not urgent, taking away the three-point shot. Um, and I still thought we were in the game. I thought we were in the game for the most part. We turned it over a lot in the second half, and we couldn't get free throws while they did in the second half. Speaking of pick and rolls, uh, I think I used a clip maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, from Trey Young talking about pick and rolls where he said that you know, there had been an emphasis recently more on setting the screen and making contact, whereas earlier in the season they'd been slipping a lot of the pick and rolls, you know, not making contact but leaving early, giving John Collins a head start to the rim. Uh, Trey Young said that actually setting the picks through contact was helping him. And I wanted to ask Lloyd Pierce about that. I picked a bad game to ask him about it because I'm an idiot. Uh, with the Rockets switching as much as they do, this was probably a game where you want to slip the picks quite a bit and send John on his way to the rim, and, you know, testing how effectively they can switch in that kind of setup. So I picked a bad night to ask the question because I think it was loaded a little bit towards Houston, but here's what Lloyd Pierce said. 
Trey said something the other day, and I'm <clears throat> paraphrasing, but he said that early in the season, a lot of the screens were screens that were being slipped, and that more recently had been more, you know, set the pick through the contact. Uh, is that true? And if so, what was the motivation for changing that? It's, it's true, but nothing's changed. Um, you know, these guys switch a lot of a lot of action. They switch pick and rolls. They switch off the ball. Um, and so we have to figure out which one is most advantageous for us. If you slip, it's hard to switch. And that creates confusion. If you set screens, they're able to switch, which is what they want to do. Maybe we don't get John on the roll like we're used to and maybe trade up and come off for a shot because it falls right into the hands. And so whatever we do, we have to do it with a lot of intent. We've got to play with pace. We've got to try and create the separation and the confusion. Uh, and then we figure out which one works best. Is John starting low, sprinting into the screen and setting it? Does that help them? Or does he start low, sprint into the screen and slip out? Um, if they don't communicate effectively, we get John over the top. Or we get Trey wide open because two guys are running with John. So nothing's really changed. Uh, I think when Trey is able to get a three, it's because we've set some screens or there's some confusion. So I'm sure he likes that. Um, but if Trey's getting all the threes and John's not getting the rolls, then John's like, well, maybe I'll slip out next time and I'll get open. So you have to find a balance of the two. And I think you know the harder you are to guard, whether it's screening, slipping, um, the easier it is to create the confusion. And, and everyone benefits from it. One time they aggressively switch, and Trey doesn't get a shot, but he's able to hit John. And we just saw a lot of the film. John was wide open for a dunk in Houston because of the confusion. Obviously, Trey got going with a lot of threes because they were switching, and there was some confusion. I don't know what they're going to do tonight. He had a, Trey had a great game uh, when we played up there in Houston. So I'm sure they'll have a game plan for him. We've got to figure out what that is, and then we've got to figure out should we slip or set screens tonight. Not too much else to cover here. It seemed like Kevin Herter struggled again. He made two of nine shots on the night. He went 0 for 6 from 3, scored four points. He had a very nice dunk. Uh, after a Trey Young offensive rebound, Trey kind of kept his dribble alive around 15 feet from the hoop. And while the defense kind of froze, Herter recovered from the other side of the floor, slipped in, and just darted towards the rim. And, Got a soaring dunk that was probably the, the prettiest play of the night. Uh, but at the same time, he struggled recently. Maybe struggle is too strong of a word, but it feels like for the last month, month and a half, if you look at what the Hawks have done, they either win or have super competitive losses on the nights when Kevin Herter shoots well. And on the nights where Kevin Herter doesn't shoot well, like the 0 for 6 tonight, it ends up being a pretty resounding defeat. So... It feels like, and maybe I'm overplaying this, but Kevin Herter, in a sense, is a little bit of a bellwether for this team. When he's doing well, the Hawks are going to do well. I want to do a mailbag episode sometime in the near future. So if you would, send me your questions. You can get them to me one of two ways. You can either reply to this particular post for this podcast at the Peachtree Hoops website in the comment section. I'll be looking for your questions there if you have any. Or you can hit me up on Twitter, at KL Chenard, either as a direct message, or if you want to just at me on Twitter, I'll look for your questions that way. But I would like to do a mailbag episode with some of your questions sometime soon. As always, we ask you to subscribe, rate, review, 
Give us all the good stuff. Any and all feedback is welcomed and appreciated. And I hope to talk to you again sometime soon. Have a good one.